0: I I do have a sermon but wow Did anybody here experience the presence of God this morning? I, I I just Heavenly Father, I just ask as we take some time right now that you would just fill my words my mouth with your words. Amen. Children uh, with Sunday school, a kids' church, you may be dismissed. I had a phrase that went over me this morning. A couple of the songs talked about how God was singing over us. That's biblical. Um, If you look in the Song of Solomon, it talks about how the lover sings over their beloved. And as we were singing, I was just impressed with... The practicality of the Holy Spirit. He is so practical. And what do I mean by that? Well, if you need Him, He's here. I'm going to get into some of your business this morning. Is that okay? Because I'm tired of just showing up Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And I don't think we do that here at Solid Rock. But sometimes we get a mindset. Well, I just got to show up, do my hour and a half, two hours, and go on. And quite frankly, we fight and struggle the other 166 and a half hours of the week. And... We need a touch from God. (laughs) We need a touch from God. Moms and dads need a touch from God. Some of you can't sleep at night because the weight of what you're looking at is so overwhelming. And I could give you a sermon with four points, five points, some funny jokes and this and that and try to make you feel better. You need the power of God. And now, there are some very practical things in the Scriptures. Don't get me wrong. God is a God of wisdom. And there are practical things you can do but the most, most practical thing you do and you can do is come to him. The most practical thing you can do is get out of the way and allow him to do what he wants to do. How do you do it? You start doing it. You start doing it. Well, I wish I wouldn't yell at people so much. Here's the word of the Lord for you. Then stop yelling at them. I wish I wouldn't fly off the handle so quickly and here's the word of the Lord. Stop flying off the handle. I wish I wouldn't worry about how this is going to work out. Here's the word of the Lord. Then stop worrying. Now, I'll also give you some thoughts. It says, cast your cares on him for he cares for you. He talks about not stirring up or pushing your children, but to love on them. So there's some practical things, but the first thing we must do is we must receive from God, receive from the Holy Spirit, in order to be able to facilitate what he wants to do. And if any of you are like me, I like to get my hands into it. And quite often I say, God, I got this figured out. And I do myself a disservice. Because I don't allow him to do what he wants to do. <sighs> Anybody here could use a touch from God today? Anybody here could use some wisdom? Anybody here could use my children being a little better? Anybody here could use a little bit less stress? Anybody here could use, you know, I I wish I just had a couple more answers. Anybody here could use a little more peace anybody here get frustrated what's frustration frustration is often when we put ourselves in the place of god and then it doesn't work out and we get frustrated So this morning, I believe God wants to sing over you. Josh had that. This morning, I I believe God wants to touch you. I want to read that verse that Josh read this morning when he started in 2 Corinthians. I want to just reiterate Verse 16, but whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. You and I have turned to the Lord. Winona had the the phrase, fighting from a place of victory. Um... Where do you think God wants you to live? Some of you might have a spiritual mind thinking, and some of you might just have a literal physical mind thinking. But where do you think God wants you to live? Do you think that's possible? And I don't care if you're thinking in a natural way or if you're thinking in a physical way or an emotional way. God isn't confined to say, well, it has to be this way or that way. God is so practical and God is so real that he can say, you know what? If you need wisdom, I've got it for you. If you need shoes on your feet, I've got it for you. Children of Israel walked for 40 years and they didn't buy an extra pair of Reeboks. They had them there from the beginning and it stayed with them the whole time. Some of you are in charge of many people's lives. You make decisions not just for yourself, but you make decisions that affect other people. God can give you wisdom. God could make you the smartest person in that department. Where do you think he wants you to live? Because wherever he wants you to live he's already there. Wherever he wants you to be, he already is there. We've been talking about possessing the land, and I was talking to Winona this morning, and I I don't have another term for it, but Possessing the land just seems so biblical. King James. How And I said, can I use a different word? Can I say it differently? And I don't know if I can say it differently except to say, where does God want you to be? Because where he wants you to be, he's already there. And when you look at the children of Israel, God said, it's time to go into the promised land. He says, and I'm going to go before you. And the place that he had for them, he had already established it. In fact, it was over 400 years prior that he called Abraham and he said, Abraham, I want you to go into the land that I want you to possess. And every place your foot goes, you're going to have But sometimes we think very linear, and it's my life. But if we sit back and we look and examine it, we realize that God had this in play through my parents. And then I realized that it wasn't just what God had done through my parents, but how he had positioned my grandparents before them. And then I realized not only that, but this individual that I just met God had set that and ordained that years earlier and that had happened and now all of a sudden these, and God is so intricate and so involved in our lives and sometimes we just take a snapshot when he's got this landscape view. When he brought the children out of Israel, it was to the day. It was to the day. And when we read the Old Testament, when we read the story about the promised land, we need to realize, let's take it through, as we just read in Second Corinthians, the veil is lifted. The veil he's talking about was in the Old Testament, but it's lifted when Christ came. And so now when we study it, we see how Christ worked and what Christ did and how walking in the promised land, how does the word uh, Christ, how does the word affect living in the promised land? The first thing I know is Christ is completely victorious. So if you're stressed out, if you don't know where the paycheck's coming, if you don't know where the finances are going to be, you don't know who's going to take care of my kids, you don't know what to do with this problem, you don't know how this delivery date's going to work, you don't know... God... Is already there. Couple of things I want you to understand about possessing the land in Deuteronomy Deuteronomy. One verse six. It's Moses is talking to me, and he says, and God spoke to us. So, Brad and Selena, the promises that God has for you, all of us play a part in seeing you fulfill that. You are not alone in the dreams, the passions, and what God has planted in you. But what God has put inside of you and what he's birthed inside of you and the craving that you have inside of you that he breathes on and he causes it to grow, every single one of us here play a part in seeing you experience what God has because it says God spoke to us. Andrew and Becky, you're not in this alone. Andrew, you have such a passion that nobody even understands or realizes, but there's such a deep thing inside of you that causes you to wake up with a vision and with a passion inside of you. And we here are part of seeing you see that experienced. And I am committed as a brother in Christ to pour into you for you to get that hunger, that passion, and those things that cause you to cry in your spirit and even sometimes cry out loud physically. Those things inside of you that grip you. It says God said it is time for us. So it's not just time for you. It's time for all of us to pour into the two of you so that you can start walking in the promises that God has for you. And what's amazing is when we pour into someone else, for them to see what God has for them, we start to walk in the promises ourselves. So the promises of God and walking in the promises of God, it's not just a me and an I, it's a we and an us. Adrian and Charlene, the passions, the dreams, the drive that you have. Every single one of us here is part of pouring into you. And we will not be jealous. We won't be envious. We won't be coveting. We will be pouring in and plotting, cheering, and yelling, and thanking God for when those promises start to start to come forth and we're going to stand here and we're going to cheer you on. Why? Because God said to us, Possessing the land, walking into where God wants us to go, it is us. Look around in somebody and say, it's us. Look at somebody that's not related to you and say, it's us. Come on. We've got to have a three-musketeer anointing. All for one and one for all. I mean, that's almost a three-musketeer. You almost think it was like the Trinity. But we're all for one and one for all. And what's amazing about walking into the promised land as a group is when I help you and you help me, all of a sudden we start seeing victories and we start seeing other people walking in the promises. And what's amazing is all of a sudden we start to realize I'm walking in the promises too. (laughs) Deuteronomy... I was looking at Deuteronomy this week. You know what? I didn't know how to spell it. The first time I spelt it, it was like it was spelt duet, D-U-E-T-O-R, and I couldn't figure out why my computer wasn't popping up Deuteronomy. My Bible program, it was like, get a Bible education, man. Deuteronomy, D-E-U-T-E-R, just Just throwing that out there. Learn how to spell the books of the Bible. It will help you get there quicker. Deuteronomy 1 verse 8. God says, see, I place the land before you. What do you see? Well, I see impossibilities. I see giants. I see problems I can't figure out. What you have to do is you have to see beyond what you can't do and see where he's calling you to. Because he's already there. The children of Israel went in. They had 12 spies. They went in. They came out and they had all these goods. And they said, this is really good. But. What do you see? Remember that song we used to sing? There may be giants in the land. There may be giants in the land. No, don't sing it, she says. (laughs) He didn't bring us out this far to take us back again. Though there may be giants in the land, we will not be afraid. There we go. He brought us out to bring us into the promise. That song has been retired, is that correct? Yeah, it's in the Hall of Fame, the Ring of Honor. What do you see? What do you see? Close your eyes right now. And let me speak something into your mind and then let it germinate for a moment. What do you see... For your family and it doesn't have to I, I don't I'm not asking you to be super spiritual some of you might some of what do you see for your family you might say well I, I see my children having homes I might you might say I just see my children worshiping God I what do you see for your family what do you see for your finances I once asked an individual, I said, what would you have, what would you do if you had multi-million dollars? You know what? That person gave me about a five-minute explanation of what they would do. They had it figured out. They said, we'll have a training center. We'll have a building that not just does biblical stuff, but it's also going to do practical things. We're going to train people. We're going to have a facility here. This was in Abbotsford. I asked this individual, we're going to have a Phil. He says, In fact, I see that property there. Can you imagine being in there? And I'm looking at it going, Oh my goodness, help me. He kept on saying, You know, I see this, I see that. You've got to see it, catch this, before you seize it. What do you see? And if you see the giants, you're going to be stopped. But if you see the promise, you're going to see it. Where God wants you to, to live. Trust. I talked to a, one of my mentors, and I was talking to him about trusting God. Faith is a real interesting dynamic in a believer's life. Because faith takes you from the ordinary into the impossible. Because you don't need faith just to open up a door. Although I've heard you need the Holy Spirit when you go into Walmart. But faith takes you into seeing and realizing what God wants you to do beyond what you could do yourself. And one of the aspects of faith, faith is, is, is also described as trust. And some people would say trust is the action of faith. And it says in Deuteronomy 1 that the children of Israel, after the spies came to them, it says that they did not trust God to take them in to what he had for them. Do you know that that was about one month into the program? God took them out of Israel, or out of Egypt, camped them around this mountain, and a month later he says, okay guys, it's time to go in. I used to think, and I used to say this, that sometimes, well, Egypt, the wilderness is when you take, get Egypt out of you. And I, I realize that there may be some truth there, but God had already planned for them in, uh, about a month after they got out of Egypt. He says, okay, it's time to go. They spent another 40 years or 39 years because they did not trust. They did not have faith that God could do what he said he could do. It says in Deuteronomy 130, the Lord goes before you. The Lord goes before you. Deuteronomy 1 1- 33 he goes before you to seek a place for you to camp fire by night cloud by day one person expressed that as warmth at night and air conditioning during the day God's environment is he's there with you all the time God doesn't work and check in at oh check out at oh hey it's 10 o'clock I can check out and I'll meet you at 6 in the morning He's there all through the night. He's there through the day. Trust is the action of faith. He goes before you. When you want it, where God wants you to be and where God wants you to live, here's a thought for you. You need to occupy till you possess. I've met, I've met believers and I've lived there and I've been there myself where I have this dream and I say what I'd like to do, but I, I, I do nothing about it. But if you read this passage and you read the account of the children of Israel, God says, you know what you need to do? You need to go in and occupy to possess. And the word occupy and possess have a similar background. They have similar connection. But the one word means in order to dispossess. In another passage, in another verse in the same chapter, it says you need to contend for your possession. You say, well, Jesus already did it. Yes, he did. But it also says in Ephesians, fight the good fight of faith. We need to see who did what. Jesus already won the victory, but I need to have faith, trust, and believe in him, and I need to fight that good fight of faith. So practically speaking, some of you might need to write down something that you want to occupy, and then you need to literally just say, this is where I stand. Pastor Winona and I, We have made a stance. Cancer does not rule. It is dispossessed. And by the way, when I say Pastor Winona and I, my first point was us. So when we see the victory, you see the victory. If you study the children of Israel, they all participated in seeing each other and every tribe get their territory. They didn't say, well, we've got 12 tribes, so the first tribe that gets it gets all 12 tribes working together. And now we've only got 11. And by the time they got down to the last two or three, they didn't, no, everybody participated in everybody's possession. So occupy. That might be a peace of mind. And like I said earlier, If you don't want to yell at your children, start occupying the place that says, I'm not going to yell at my kids. You say, you have no idea. No, I had four kids. I have an idea. I still love them. They're looking at me going, where is he going with I still love them. Occupy what you want to possess. I'll give you a verse for that because it's actually in the Bible. Deuteronomy 2, verse 31, it says, Begin to occupy that you may possess. Chart out what you believe God's calling you to do, whether it's a financial position, whether it's a position in your family, whether it's a spiritual position, whether it's a position in your mind. Chart out what it is, and then start living where you would like to be. Change your mind. I want to be more positive. Because I've found that somebody comes to me and says it's a beautiful day, and I say, yeah, but it's going to rain. And somebody says, oh, isn't this great? And I say, yeah, but you don't. And, 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 and we, then what we have to do is we have to change the way we talk, and we need to start living where we'd like to possess. It's a beautiful day. It certainly is. I mean, don't make it any harder than it is. And don't, and don't say the first thing that comes to your mind. You know, I've learned in talking with my wife, I don't always say the first thing that comes to my mind. <laughs> okay? I've learned. No, David, I've made a commitment. I love you. So everything I do is through love. And I might get hurt, frustrated, or whatever, but I, I, I don't take that. I was say no. And by the way, my wife is the same back to me. She doesn't say the first thing that comes to her mind. <laughs> but live where you'd like to possess. You'll never do it on the hill you start doing it. You want to change your mind? Change your mind. You want to do something? If you want to do something different, in your family, you say, I want to change the dynamic of the family here because every time we sit down together, we, we complain about things or we, we just struggle with. Then you chart out what's it going to look like to change that feeling or that time we get together, and then you start doing that. And you start speaking to my, I'm going to change the way I talk to my children. I'm going to speak to their destiny. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to, get as frustrated with them but I'm going to see the qualities of what they're doing and I'm going to identify that quality and I'm going to speak to that and I'm going to see that grow. And I'm going to live and occupy the place that I'd like to be. It's biblical. Last thing I'm going to say is we often miss what we wish for, because we're afraid to go where it is. Children of Israel knew the promise and knew how great it was and knew all the fruit and experience it, but they were afraid to go where it was. Fear is putting faith in something other than God. Fear is putting faith in an obstacle instead of putting faith in God. I think we need to get a little radical. We need to get radical. We need to get... Let me say this. I would rather you come to me, and I don't mean to be selfish in this, but I'd rather watch you start living towards your dream of where you believe God's called you and make mistakes than you stay not experiencing what God has for you. I'd rather see you take steps and learn how to hear God's voice and maybe make a mistake than not take any risk at all. And you know what? That might get messy. But if you do it one time, two times, three times, four times, all of a sudden you're starting to get it more. And then you turn around and you say, I was there, but... I've, I've moved forward. I used to think that if only I could achieve this, I'd be satisfied. But now I realize what I have isn't just for me, but it's for us. And what I have isn't just for me to possess, but what I have is for Pastor Sean to possess. It's also to help Dan possess. It's to help Alan Shirley possess. It's, it's to help families possess. And as as I see what I have, I start to realize. You know what? I used to live with. It, it's all about me. But now I'm starting to look and say, What can I do to help other people reach the promises they have? And as I've done that, I've found that I've broken past what I thought was a barrier, and now I start to see what's beyond. Don't be afraid. I'd rather experiment with God than experiment with doubt. I've done that this morning. I'm, I'm experimenting. I'm saying, Go, I, I wasn't 100 percent sure what to do. do? I, I preach my sermon. You didn't realize that, but I actually preached my sermon, but I tried to also fill it with prophetic. I'm experimenting. I'm learning. I'd like to think and I hope I'm getting better at it. And hopefully you go home and go, you know what? He's getting on base a bit better than he used to. He's not striking out as much. He made contact. The bat and the ball. He made contact. The foul balls aren't quite as foul as they used to be. We're in this together. When we stand, what I'd like to do is I'd like to take a moment to pray together, but I'd like us to break up into groups of three or four and just ask somebody, what can I pray for? And if if they don't know, just pray to bless them. So can we take a moment and just find three or four people that you can pray with. And a little trick, the faster you do it, the faster you go home. (laughs) Oh, all of a sudden, everybody's in groups of four. (laughs) But just ask, what can I pray for, for you? You might want to share a dream. You might want to share a passion. But but find somebody and, and just take a moment. What can I pray with you for? Okay, just do it right now. And, and once they've shared, pray for them. And, and just pray for 30 seconds. You don't have to pray for 10 minutes. Just Just ask God, join them in that, and pray for them. And now, if you've finished praying, give the other person opportunity to ask and to join together. And then once you've finished, just turn around and face forward. Thank you, Jesus. amen if you've if you've finished praying just stay in your seats but if you can just turn around for a second amen it should be the last person should be praying now hallelujah Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right. How how's everybody doing? I'm not used to closing a prayer time. But if you've uh, finished praying, if you could turn around, I want to give you one final instruction. Amen. If you've finished, if you could turn around and pray for those that are still praying, that they'll have a shorter prayer. Isn't that right, Ryan? Kyle? It's like I'm getting hungry. Hallelujah. I've got one final instruction that I'd like to ask you to do this week. Is the person that you prayed for today, pray for them this week. Okay? The person that you prayed for this morning, pray for them this week. Ask God to touch them. Ask God to be with them. Ask God whatever they shared with you. You don't have to broadcast it. But just pray for them and bring them before the Father this week. Amen? Hallelujah. You may be dismissed. Pray for someone this week. Amen. God bless you.